0: On this week's episode of Unbeatable, you get a chance to hear from Alex Maddox. And as you're driving along listening to this episode, she is gonna sound like a sweet, sincere Southern girl, which she is. But as we get into her story, you're gonna be blown away like I was by the strength of this woman. In fact, I'll just say it. This is one of the strongest women that I've ever met when you hear all that she's gone through and the way that she continues to look at life anyway. So I'm just going to stop talking and turn things over to my guest, Alex Maddox, on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Alex, thank you for taking some time out of your schedule to be a guest with me on this episode of Unbeatable.
1: Oh, it's an honor. It's an honor. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You know, I heard a lot about you and about your story from a mutual friend of ours, John Gossard. Yes. Yeah. So this is a huge shout out to John. The last episode that I did was an introduction that John made to us. We should basically just call this the John Gossard show is what I'm I'm saying right now. I love
1: it. He deserves all the kudos.
0: Yeah. John, thank you for introducing me to Alex and to her incredible story. Alex is a Georgia girl, but can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what life was like for you when you were younger?
1: Uh, So Georgia girl, born and raised. Um, So go ahead and know that I am going to say y'all several times. And of um, course, I was born and raised uh, in McDonough, Locust Grove area, which is about 30, 40 minutes south of Atlanta. Um, Mm. And... Childhood for me was great. I've got two loving parents, two older brothers and a little sister. So uh, very well-rounded. And uh, we played sports. You know, we, we just had a great yeah. childhood. Um, growing up was easy. Growing up was fun. Everything that the 90s should have been uh, before social media took over and you got caught doing everything.
0: <laughs> um, All right. Yeah.
1: So that that was childhood for me. It was a very happy life.
0: Nice. How did you and Chase meet?
1: We actually went to high school together. Uh, he was a year younger. Oh, there.
0: you're a high school sweetheart. Look at you. Uh,
1: not, yeah, yeah. So we, Okay, you uh, hated we each to- other in high
0: school, but you knew each other. So. Yes,
1: yes. Um, he actually drove a Volkswagen van like straight from the 60s. No
0: and way. He it- drove the 60s. A uh, hippie van.
1: The hippie bus, yes. And I remember looking at my little sister who I was taking home from school, and I pointed him out, and I said, whoever drives that van has got to be the coolest person in the entire world. And he ended up being just little, that for me.
0: <laughs> little did you know, right?
1: Right. So... Did you guys um, take
0: some classes together, or are you the same age?
1: No, he was a year younger than me, so uh, uh, he made fun of me for that. Um, of but, course. But uh, he had... Beautiful blue eyes, which uh, both of our children had, and um, curly hair, which I was hoping our children would get and they didn't. But uh, just a beautiful person inside and out, funny. Um, This sounds bad to say, but you know, all the good things that people say about you after you pass, Chase truly was all of those things. He didn't take life seriously, you know, unless he absolutely had to. He could laugh at any situation, he could fit into any situation. He was just. A good soul. Um, so fast forward a little bit to 2010, and we welcomed our oldest son, Brayden, into the world. And we were very young. Um, and Chase went to college at North Georgia, jo- the University of uh, North Georgia yeah. in mm-hmm. and Great he was going to, yes, he was going to study nursing. And quickly decided that that was a little bit uh, more intense than he had planned. And uh, he joined the Army Reserves and uh, served his country proudly. Uh, Started out at Fort Leonard Wood. All right. So he was a specialist in the Army Reserves. And about 2012, he decided that he wanted to become a police officer. So he put himself through the academy and uh, ended up working for our hometown that we both grew up in, in Locust yeah Harbor. And um, Braden was almost three, I think, when he graduated the academy and lived a very happy life. And we just did all the fun things that young families do. And sure. We had, Braden did have um, medical complexities. He was special needs. Yeah. And, but we never let that hold us back. Chase would throw him over his shoulder and take him on at Disney. We put him on tubes in the lake. He was the captain of a boat. He lived a fuller life than most people do. And uh, in 2016, we got married. And in 2017, we found out we were going to have our boy, Bodie. All right. Yeah. So just your typical happy little family life.
0: Alex, I would love to know, how did the conversation go when Chase said, hey, I think I want to become a police officer and I want to go to the police academy? Like, what was going on in your mind? And how did that conversation go between the two of you?
1: I didn't really have a choice in the matter.
0: (laughs) Um, Of course not, but I mean, certainly you had a a voice at least.
1: Oh, yeah. He was, he was just so driven and passionate and he, he could have done anything he wanted to. And so when he, that's what he decided he was going to do. That's what our family supported. And he just had the drive and the compassion and it, it made sense for Chase. So, you know, there was a lot of nights staying up, studying flashcards, and going yeah. through laws, and and he worked his butt off uh, to be the best cop he could be, and I believe that everybody he worked with would would agree on that. Um, yeah. So it was, it really not not much. I, I had a couple of concerns. Um. You know, when things pop up on the news and you see the scarier. Uh-huh. More, The ugly things that they see every day and i would voice my opinion and he would tell me that there was a greater chance of you know me getting in a car wreck on i-75 going to atlanta for work than him being involved in an incident and so we just chose to live our lives without fear and i'm grateful for that
0: i'm gonna write this down i really really like what you just said you two made the decision it wasn't necessarily easy, but you made a conscious decision to live your life without fear, especially in a line of work like a police officer or, you know, the family of a police officer. What did he do in the U.S. Army Reserves? What was his job?
1: You know, he was a specialist with chemicals and that's about okay. all I know.
0: <laughs> that's about all you needed to say. Just I kept his uniforms clean and ready
1: to go for drill.
0: I'm sure you did. Yes. <laughs> And did we did he ever talk about why he wanted to be a police officer? Like, what was the motivation to do this instead of being a nurse?
1: He had a genuine love and compassion for people. He wanted to help in any way he could. And I just I feel like he believed it was a very natural path for him. And I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, There were stories that I heard. After uh, February 9th that I had never heard before, because you know he didn't boast about things. Yeah. As far as he would keep stuffed animals in the trunk of his car, so if he worked a call with children, wow, he could do yeah. that. He found another special needs boy that lived in in the community, and he would drive by and check on him, and you know talk about how you know he and Braden would be great friends, and yeah. Um, he just he went, he loved talking to people. You could find him in front of the the gas station in the middle, you know, of town, Our two little two-road town we had, and you know, talking with all the older guys drinking their coffees in the morning and yeah. uh, the auto parts store knew him. He just he had a genuine care for his community and yeah. he just it was natural for him.
0: Okay, so you described having a special needs son, Braden, before. Bodhi came along, but tell everybody a little bit about Brayden's condition. Like what was the, the medical condition?
1: It was at first optic nerve hypoplasia, which then ended up branching into septo optic dysplasia. Uh, it, It's not a genetic. Those are some
0: big phrases that mean absolutely nothing to me and most of the people listening. So, yes, please explain. uh,
1: Which is great because I'll get to bring some awareness to it. It, It's a complete fluke thing. Um, Basically, his optic nerves didn't form from his brain to his eyes fully. So, he had very limited vision. And with that comes a lot of midline of the brain issues with your pituitary gland. Um, So, he did Uh not produce hormones on his own. So, he was on adrenal supplements. Uh, thyroid supplements, growth supplements. uh, And he had a condition called Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, which uh, meant both sides of his brain would seize. Um, And it would uh, knock him out a
0: little bit. Yeah. Wow. When did the doctors figure this? When, obviously, this is not normal. When did you guys learn about this? When did you realize just how how, uh, full the extent of this was?
1: It was... Over a period of time. Uh, when Braden was born, we had done all of the testing, you know, during my pregnancy and yeah. nothing was flagged because, you know, this isn't your typical uh, disease or condition. Um, so at his three, he was born. He went into the NICU for low blood sugar. And once he ate, you know, and got his bottles down after 11 days, we were able to take him home. And at his three-month appointment, we noticed his eyes would constantly scan, um, which we ended uh-huh. up calling him, them his dancing eyes because he loved music. So we did his Dancing just eyes.
0: eyes I love it.
1: And we noticed he couldn't focus. And our pediatrician wrote us a referral to uh, Children's Health Care of Atlanta. And so that. Sent us to neurology and neuro ophthalmology yeah. and endocrinology, and it just kind of piled on from there. And uh, we just kept taking him to regular checkups. And as his age progressed, so does his so did his condition.
0: I've never heard about this before. Never even heard somebody discuss it. So how rare is this?
1: It is very rare. I cannot remember the numbers. And honestly. Um, I didn't do much research into it because in our eyes, it was just, that was Brayden and that was the life we were dealt and we were just going to roll with it. And, um, I I cannot remember the number, but it's extremely rare. Uh, especially the septo optic dysplasia, the Lennox gasto is more, uh, the seizure condition is more common.
0: And the seizures would be like epilepsy. Is that accurate?
1: Yes. So there are also, you know, different kinds of epilepsy. So Brayden's, uh-huh. uh, when he was younger, it would start with what they call a tonic, which is like a head drop seizure. So everything would kind yeah. of go out of his body. Just a couple of seconds, he'd be back up like nothing happened. Uh, sometimes he would just get really tired. And as his age progressed and the condition progressed, uh, it opened up the doors for uh, different kinds of seizures. So then that was your typical uh, convulsing. And um, that would last, I think his longest one lasted about three minutes. And um, that was our biggest concern as he got older.
0: How old was he when his little brother, when Bodhi came along?
1: Brayden was seven when his little brother came along. Really?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And he was not a fan.
0: (laughs) <laughs> really? He, he was, didn't like the competition? He
1: did not like the competition. Uh, we kept asking him. He was very, he could understand what you were saying. And, you know, we learned uh-huh. how he would communicate back. He couldn't talk back. But uh, we did get out of him that he wanted a little sister. So he was disappointed and Not a the brother. brother.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: he had me and both sets of his grandparents and his father on his own and two, you know, aunts that were very involved And I don't think that he was ready to share that spotlight.
0: We're going to talk a little bit more about your sons in just a few minutes, but let's go back to your marriage now that you're married and Chase is a police officer. And it sounds like the kind of police officer that everybody wishes that they had in their community. Somebody who really cares, somebody who's very involved, somebody who's really, uh, you know, trying to make the community a better place. Um, Tell us a little bit about what it's like for you as a mom and as a wife, watching your husband go to work, putting a gun on his belt and leaving. Um, And you said you chose to live without fear. But in the back of your mind, tell us what it's like to be married to a police officer.
1: It's a hard line to walk. Um, Yeah. And Chase and I actually played the song at our wedding, the Johnny Cash, I Walk the Line. Um, Uh And that's a very common phrase, you know, with with police officers, they, they're the then blue line. They stand between, you know, good and evil within the community. And we were so young. I don't think the reality and the gravity of his job hit me until we were older. And you start hearing more things on the news. Um, And two, in your hometown, you don't want to believe, you know, the ugliest sides of humanity exist. And, And they do and my husband was very good about uh picking and choosing what he would share with me because he knew i would get very anxious and very to worried. protect you right <laughs> to, pr- to yeah. protect us um you know there's a common phrase you know the the sound of that velcro when they get home from a night shift yeah and you would yeah. hear that and you would breathe easier i could hear him unload all of his stuff onto a uh, a stand that we had beside of our bed and and to see him get into bed and just have that sigh of relief, that, that's a, that was a mm-hmm. thing. Uh, you We scheduled family meals, you know, me working a normal nine-to-five. Uh, sometimes we would eat as soon as I got home so we could see each other for 30 minutes before he went out on shift or when he was on days and, you know, he, it was shift work. He was tired. He worked yeah. uh, two weekends out of the month. And so there's a lot of travel time. There's a lot of doing things on your own. Uh, they're as present as they can be but they do miss a lot. And I don't think that that's talked about a lot. Um, You know, there's missing baseball games. They're missing family dinners. They're missing their favorite show on TV that you like to watch together. I mean, little menial things that at the end of the day, you know, Chase doesn't get to come home and watch big bang theory anymore. He didn't get to eat that bag of spicy Cheetos he had saved for that weekend, you know? (laughs) And so, yeah, The gravity of that is something that we we don't talk about often. We should talk about, but we don't need to focus on because something I learned from my husband, uh, which I learned a lifetime's worth of knowledge, but I remember telling him that I thought our hometown was going downhill and it had me worried. And his words to me were, Alex, the good will always outweigh the bad.
2: And
1: that has stuck out, even through the the tragic events that have become our lives, I do believe that the good outweighs the bad. And I think that Chase would want that to be an equal part of his story because Chase Maddox had one bad day in his entire life, and that was February 9th of 2018. And so I do think we need to focus on the positive. We share the negative. We're aware of the negative. But we need to focus on the impact that came out of it.
0: Yeah, you you've got an incredible outlook on this Alex um because I've I have met and you know very closely many many military families, many many law enforcement families and the pressure and the stress of the what their spouse does for a living is overwhelming for a lot of people. It's really hard. Some of them quite frankly Just can't handle it. And they they give them the either it's me or the job kind of thing. Like, I can't do this anymore. Um, But just on the last episode uh, funny enough, um, we had I had the honor of interviewing a law enforcement officer. First name Alex spelled the exact same way, except for a guy. Um, And he lost two of his very close friends in the line of duty. And we talked about what that does to him, but we also talked about what it does to the families of law enforcement officers. So anybody who's listening to this episode has already picked up on the fact that you refer to Chase in the past tense. Let's talk about February 9th, 2018. What happens?
1: It was a very typical day. Uh, Chase had gone to work. I was, I woke up and went to get our son Brayden ready for school uh, as I said Brayden was special needs and I noticed uh, that he must have let through his diaper and I know this sounds a little off but I promise it makes it, it goes into the story it's all right um and I noticed that Brayden's bedding had been changed and anybody that knew Brayden knew that his dad hung the moon and stars and mm. looking back just that typical morning moment allowed Braden to have some one-on-one time with his dad before he yeah. went to work. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, I took Braden to school and I called Chase. We talked just as we normally did. For some reason, he was going to buy his dad's old truck and sell his old truck, which I didn't really understand. I was just like, sure, whatever you want to do.
0: It's a guy thing. It's, it's, yeah. It doesn't even make any trucks. sense, but sure. Yeah.
1: And I went through the Dunkin' Donuts drive through and he made fun of me. And I was like, well, you're a cop, and you're jealous I didn't get you a donut. Yeah, you know, that's right. a joke. And uh, we said, I love you, and we got off the phone. And I came home, and I'm nine months pregnant with Bodie and I fell asleep, and I took a nap, and when I woke up, my entire world was shattering. I was tagged in a live stream of a home on Facebook that a neighbor was shooting uh, with their cell phone, and it was a police-involved shooting. And I you were,
0: was, that was a li- Somebody was broadcasting that live on Facebook.
1: It got Holy taken gracious. down. Um, wow. So I get up and I turn on the news and I am, you know, frantically, I'm, I knew Chase well enough that if he was actually involved in, in an intense incident, that I did not need to distract him. So I sent him a text and just said, hey, I know there's an officer involved shooting in Locust Grove. When you get a minute, just let me know you're OK. I love you. And I start you know, calling everybody and I start watching the news and I notice Chase's car is out front. And I see our dear friend, um, Lieutenant Morris, which was Chase's lieutenant, but he was also a very good friend of ours. Uh, walking back and forth from forth from the house, and I don't see Chase. Yeah. The incident itself was Chase was called in as backup for two county deputies that were serving a failure to appear warrant
2: uh-huh.
1: for a parking violation.
0: A parking violation. A parking violation. Wow.
1: Um. The suspect. Uh, was a sol- what he claimed as a sovereign citizen, uh, meaning that he uh, did not believe that our government laws applied to him. And they called Chase in his backup as he became combative. Uh, mm-hmm. Chase had taught this guy down before, so that's why Chase was called in. Really? Chase walked up and he was briefed by the deputy, uh, Sid Calloway, who was... A godsend to our family. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, And Chase's last words were, let's do this. And he went into the house and the suspect started shooting. Uh, Chase was shot three times in the shoulder, the neck, and just below the eye. Uh, He made it about an hour and 47 minutes uh, through transport to Atlanta. Um, He -hmm. coded three times. And he ultimately was pronounced dead at uh, dead on arrival um, at yeah. a medical center. Um, you know, news new spreads, friends calling. Uh, oh, I can't
0: imagine not yeah.
1: knowing. Um, it, it's literally your own personal hell on earth. Yeah, your your yeah. worst nightmare coming true. And broadcasted as publicly as possible.
0: Yeah, broadcasted across the nightly news for everybody in the world to see.
1: I remember calling my mom to go get Brayden from school um, and bring him home. I remember my mother-in-law, Kelly, calling me and saying she was going to come visit me, which was normal because she would normally come over on Fridays. uh, And we'd have a cup of coffee and she'd spend time with Brayden. And I remember her calling me and I'm watching the news and... I didn't know what to say or how to tell her. And I didn't know if she knew. Um, But she got here with Chase's sister and we were all watching the news. And I just remember feeling, it it sounds unbelievable, but I felt part of me die. I felt part of my soul go black. And I knew he was gone before I even got the call that the chief was on the way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it, it was, it, to this day, it feels unreal. Like part of my brain yeah. won't register that that, that this all has actually happened. But when you break it down, Chase, I'm so proud of him. I I've watched the body cam footage. I wanted to know every move he made. I wanted more than anything to have been in that house, holding him and telling him how proud I was.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And in that day he saved a woman and three children that were in that home when all of this went down. Um, Some Mm. of the children weren't even documented citizens and they were able to go home to their family. And so Chase paid with his life to make that happen. But I don't think, you know, I've had some of his, his friends from work, um, Tell me, you know, I should have been there. It should have been me. And you wouldn't wish that upon anybody. And and Chase wouldn't wouldn't change it. And he was, in every essence, like you said, what what you want a police officer to be. Strength, valor. Um, He just, he cared. And he was doing what he believed was right. And how I know that is Chase was the number one shot in the entire department. And Chase's gun never left his holster, which tells me that he didn't, he was trying to save that man. And that that
0: was Chase. Alex, um, my heroes are the guys and gals that serve the country or serve the community in the military or in law enforcement. Um, But number two, and just barely number two are the families. So the second episode ever of this podcast, I interviewed military, a military spouse who lost her husband in combat. And I said during that episode, and I've, I've said it to countless other um, military family members. I don't think the average person we we have a small idea of what the military, or the law enforcement go through, but very few people understand what this is like for a spouse, because um, they just the news and the and the movies. They don't make movies about the spouse. They make movies about the the hero that was in the room, and not somebody like you. And I have the greatest respect, really. The hidden heroes in communities are the law enforcement. The spouses of law enforcement officers.
1: I appreciate it. And your
0: that. your family's been through a lot. Um, now, if I could bring people up to immediately after Chase has passed, now you are about to have a, a brand new baby, you've got a special needs, a very special needs son, and you just lost your husband. And I already know a little bit about this part of your story, but you work really hard to keep your sons when when Bodhi is born aware of who Chase is. Can you describe how you did that for the listener?
1: Absolutely. Uh, uh, I had Bodhi four days after Chase was killed.
0: Yeah, I need you to say that because somebody's driving right now and they totally missed that, but I didn't. So would you say that again?
1: Absolutely. I had... I gave birth to Bodhi four days after Chase's end of watch. Again, everything very public. Um, Yeah. It.
0: Yeah. Because this is still in the middle of the news, right? Everybody's still talking about it. And you're the lady who just lost her husband. And by the way, she just had a son.
1: Yes. I remember my hospital room being password protected. I remember news, you know, people showing up at my house, showing up at the hospital. I mean, the most raw and terrible time of my life was on display for everyone to see. And I'm very thankful. I have a good family and a good support system and Chase's brothers in blue that were there every step of the way to make sure Bodie and Braden and I were safe. Um, to this day, my neighborhood is patrolled by our County department just, just to check in. Um, As far as keeping Chase present, I believe Chase was my soulmate. I believe he is an intricate part of who I am. And as their mother, uh, you know, I have pieces of of Chase too in them. And I never wanted Chase to be a taboo subject. Uh, I wanted him to be present. I wanted him to be talked about. And so I took my children to every event where they honored Chase, which mm-hmm. you know. So they they had an idea. I keep I kept pictures up. Um, yeah. I. I kind of just let Bodie figure it out. Um, yeah. Uh, and. Brayden. He was the happiest kid in the world. He loved chicken nuggets, Disney, and rap music. And that was his life. He was so happy. <laughs>
0: that is a that's a pretty incredible combination. <laughs> I, I chicken mean, nuggets, Disney, and rap <laughs> was, music. Yes. He was
1: the coolest kid. Shout out to Ludacris. You were his favorite. Um, but um he became very angry. And that was a mm-hmm. side of Braden I'd never seen. Um, so I'm I'm trying to put him in music therapy. I would play videos of him and Chase playing together so he could hear Chase's voice and his together. Yeah. A dear friend of mine put, um, his name was Chase, and, you know, Paw Patrol Chase is on the case. We have a video of Chase uh-huh. saying that. And she put that in the sound of a stuffed animal so Braden could press it and hear Chase's voice. Um, and it's been interesting to watch Bodie discover Chase. You know, I've always shown pictures or I've told stories. We talk about him. I'm very close with my in-laws. Chase's sister actually moved in with me after the incident to help me with the kids. Um, And she lived here for five years. I mean, she just moved out. um, Wow. And we're thankful for that. So Chase's family was present. My family would talk about Chase. Uh, And to watch Bodie get older in our family you know, we've had five years to to heal and to pick up and it's not been pretty. There's been some very ugly parts, uh, but but we're standing now and we feel like we're moving and living life to honor Chase uh, because Chase would not want us to stop living. But Bodie just turned five in February, started Little League and he's, looking around and realizing his dad isn't here.
0: Yeah. Everybody else has their dad close by, right?
1: He's, his dad isn't on the baseball field with him. Um, his dad can't go play in the backyard with him. Mm-hmm. His dad can't see his favorite monster truck. Uh, I remember being in the bathroom and I was getting ready for work one day and he came in with a handful of toys and he's like, I really want to show these to dad. And I, uh, I'm trying to explain to him, you know, your, da- your dad sees them. I know you can't see your dad, but your dad does not miss the thing that you do. And because of my faith, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm a Christian and I believe in the Lord. And I tell, you know, my children that we'll all be together one day and that we just have to wait a little bit longer. And as he's getting older, he's asking questions. So here we are five years later and Bodie is just now losing Chase.
0: Wow, I never thought about that. Yeah, he's just now learning that he doesn't really have a father like everybody else does because before he could picture him in his mind but never really met him.
2: Yeah.
1: So we play videos. Uh, I have so many goofy videos of Chase just because there was never a dull moment.
0: <laughs> All right, okay.
1: And, you know, so that that's things that I do. If, if Chase, or, you know, if Bodie and I start missing Chase, I'll play videos of him on my phone and, that's the beautiful thing about technology is I have recordings. Yeah. And, um, when he proposed to me, he had it recorded on his body cam. So I have that whole video and, yeah, you know, so there's things that I can share with Bodie that keep him present. And like I said, I'm my dad, he's got, you know, great male figures in his life between my dad, Chase's uh-huh. dad. Uh, we still have, you know, some of our grandfathers, uh, my best friend's husband is very active. My, uh, cousin, xylan is very active so he's got plenty of people that love him and that always show up but he knows it's not the same
0: well um just the unimaginable loss of losing a husband especially in the line of duty like the, the way you lost chase but now you are a single mother with two children and one of your children has very special needs and the other one is very young and you've just described how the family around you the community around you comes uh gathers around you um but braden's needs don't stop right i mean it, uh, his special needs continue there's a point where um you guys get a glimmer of hope for him can you tell us about the surgery that braden went through
1: yes so braden was a medical miracle in every sense of the word um He did not have his first surgery until after Chase had passed. Um, And we Mm -hmm. were introduced to um, a surgeon that uh, was an orthopedic surgeon because Brayden used to actually be able to walk some on his own. But as he got older, uh, tendons tightened and he lost some of that ability. Um, So Dr. Bruce, shout out Dr. Bruce. We love him dearly. Hey, Dr. Um, Bruce. Dr. Bruce is great. And uh he worked on Braden and did a double hip knee and ankle reconstruction basically. Uh so Holy Braden, smart, because,
0: basically everything from the waist down.
1: Yes. He, we went all in. And because Braden wasn't weight bearing, with your you know, your your hip sits in a socket like this. Yeah. Right. And you get that from weight bearing. So when you don't, it's kinda like this. And so you don't mm-hmm. have mobility. So he constructed that for Brayden and that was, it was wonderful because we were able to get him up in his stander and, uh, he had a gate trainer, which was, it's kind of like a baby walker, but for yeah,
2: yeah,
1: big kids. And he was able to get in that and zoom around the house. And if he wanted to leave the living room and decided he hadn't a family time, he could go to his room on his own.
0: All right. Listen to that.
1: And he, he was very, he was such a funny kid. Um, yeah, there was one time specifically, I remember uh, he was in a baby walker and he kept playing with the blinds on the back door and Chase got onto him and Chase finally walked up to him and kind of popped him a little bit and was like, we said no. And Brayden just yelled and he stormed off to his room, slammed the door and then backed the walker up to the door so we couldn't get in.
0: Oh, really? He barricaded himself in his <laughs> he room. He
1: barricaded him, And we were yeah. just, you know, we're sitting there. And in the moment, you know, we're laughing, but we don't want him to hear us uh-huh. laughing. But we were right. so dang proud of just, I mean, how smart he was. So that was his surgery. It allowed him to have that independence back uh, yeah. that he had lost. And it was it was beautiful to, to watch happen. And we're so grateful for that.
0: Alex, you've already at this point gone through tragedy that most women will not experience for much of their life. But in your case, the hits keep coming. So you've been talking about Brayden, not just Chase, but also Brayden in the past tense. What happens?
1: Um, sorry, this one's more fresh. Uh, our family learned that lightning sometimes can strike in the same place twice. Um, in Christmas, uh, at Christmas of 2021, we noticed Brayden was very cold and that was weird because he usually ran hot, um. And he just got very sick, and one day I went in to check on him, and he almost looked like a corpse. He was very pale, blue lips, Um, and as I stated before, Braden couldn't produce adrenaline on his own, so if he was sick, we would have to up his adrenal dosage to give his body enough energy to fight. And on the way, we took him to the hospital, and on the way to the hospital, I remember looking at... Um, they wanted to transport him by ambulance to a children's facility. And I remember them wanting to lifelight him, but they thought it would take too long because the weather was bad. And I asked them, wow. I was like, Am I about to lose my child? And they looked at me, and I'm so thankful for the community I was, you know, a, a yeah. in because they asked me if it was Chase Maddox's son. And I said, This is. And they said, we are going to do everything we can. And they and they did. Um, yeah. We made it to the hospital. And he was barely hanging on. And I just remember telling Chase that you can't have him. <laughs> I need him yeah. here. Um, if you've got any strings to pull up there, now's the time to pull them <laughs> because we can't yeah. do this. And that began a series of... In and out of hospital stays. So prior to December of 2021, Braden had never had an ear infection. He really never had a wow. throat. I mean, picture of health. Like every now and then he'd get a little cold, but wow, it was he was the healthiest kid. And so this kind of came out of left field for us. And I think part of it was he had hit puberty, which with that comes a lot of hormone
0: changes. Yeah. And yeah. And his body is not creating hormones the way other boys are. His body is not equipped. Wow.
1: A lot of, um, we were in and out, uh, we were in and out about every two weeks. We would go, uh, either to Scottish Rite in Atlanta or Beverly Knight Olson and Macon, uh, depending on traffic to where I could get to. quicker. And, you know, I'd throw them in my van because I learned, you know, sometimes the ambulances were swamped and I could get them there faster. We Mm -hmm. had a handicap accessible van. So I'd, wheel him up in his wheelchair, strap him down and we, we would go. And, uh, we almost lost him about four times last year and it was just disease progression. It was an uphill battle. of you know, I even explained to the doctors cause I, I, I felt like I was actively watching my child die and there was nothing yeah, I could yeah. do about it. Wow. And, you know, I'm Googling, everything under the sun you know we had a vns device which is a vagus nerve stimulator it's implanted and it, it sends vibrations up your vagus nerve it's supposed to help with seizures um all the way down to we ended up we found out he was aspirating food which was terrible for Braden because mm. his greatest joy in life was to eat um we ended mm-hmm. up putting in a feeding tube and i remember telling the doctors i pulled all of them into the room and i said i see him dying so i know you do I was like, I need realistic expectations. Uh, I was like, my husband was murdered and yeah, that was so unexpected. I cannot do unexpected again. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they still want to be optimistic and they don't want to tell you.
0: Yeah. You know, nobody wants to give you the worst case scenario.
1: And they, they were wonderful. We had a really, really good team. Um, so in October of 2022, uh, we had a family vacation plan. One of my brothers came down from Tennessee. My sister was there. My grandmother paid for us to have condos with my dad and his brother and that family. And we're down in Panama City Beach, uh, which coincidentally was Braden's favorite place. He loved other than Disney World, mm-hmm. uh, he loved the beach. He loved the water. And Braden, uh, he could actually move some on his own in the water. Yeah, and he just loved it. And um, I drug him. You know, his wheelchair, we drug him out to the beach and I bought an air mattress and blew it up, put the canopy over him. And he laid in the sun and uh, spent his last day on the beach. And um, that night uh, I was sitting up with my sister and my brother and we were talking and I kept, we were staying awake to check on Braden because he just didn't, yeah. he didn't seem right. And I noticed he was breathing funny. So I took him to a children's hospital down close to, to there. And by the time I got him there, he was blue. And Hmm. so, you know, I get kicked out of the room and pulled into a consultation room, which, you know, is never good. Yeah. And they ended up coming in and telling me he'd gone into cardiac arrest, um, three times, which was odd to me because I knew chase had coded three times. And so, you know, I look for little, little things like that. And, um, We were transported to a bigger hospital, and honestly, I can't tell you what city we ended up in, um, in Florida, and we had a wonderful doctor who tried everything and stayed with us, gave our family a room to sit in and, Mm -hmm. and to process and to make decisions, and I knew Brayden was not there anymore. So after we had exhausted all life-saving measures, um, his little heart just couldn't take it anymore. And my kid that was so full of life that did the roller coasters, did the tubing, danced to the rap music, that kid had not existed all of 2022. Yeah. And I knew he was tired. And I laid there in the bed with him and I played his rap music and I, uh, sang him a couple songs, and we prayed. And I told him that I loved him and I would never give up on him. But I knew he was tired and that I would be okay. And if he saw his dad to run as fast as he could, and and I would be there soon. And 30 seconds after I told him he could go, he he passed. Wow. it was amazing. And I truly, you know, part of part of me being his mom, I'm like, oh, he was listening to me. He was just waiting for permission.
0: Yeah, he was um, hanging on, waiting for you.
1: It just, it, it was hard for our family that had already taken such a hit with Chase to finally feel like we were getting back on our feet and living again in some kind of new normal capacity and then to lose Brayden. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's just now been six months and it is fresh and it is, it oh, is yeah. hard. Um, however, knowing that they're together brings peace and, and comfort. And I, I knew it was time and doesn't make it any easier. But um, I'm a firm believer you can't die with your dead. I don't yeah. believe that's a good way to honor them. Um I believe you should live the life that they were robbed of. And so that's what our family's doing. And Bodie and I are in the process. We're selling our home that uh, Chase and I bought before he was born. And Bodie and I are building a new home and we're going to get a fresh start. And we're going to continue to live in honor of them and uh, to, to keep moving forward and to believe that the good will outweigh the bad.
0: I've written down a couple of statements from you today, and this is another one that I heard from you that I really, it's going to stay with me. Um, Alex, there are people that are listening to your story right now, and it is heart-wrenching what you've gone through. And they're just sitting there thinking to themselves the the grief that this woman has had to experience, both with a husband and with a child, no fault of your own, um, and... It's bad enough to lose one, to go through both. And you still have to be there for Bodhi, of course. And you still have to l- choose to live. Don't die with, with the dead, but to live and to honor them. Um, But I know that there are some people that are asking the question right now. How did you do it? Like, weren't there some times where you just felt like, God, this isn't fair. And I don't deserve this. And why are you doing this to me? How did you just... Keep it together and get up in the morning and put some clothes on and make breakfast for your son instead of laying in a ball in the bed and, you know, in tears.
1: I'm not going to tell you that there aren't days like that. Um, There have been. There's been some very ugly moments. And I think that it is important to recognize that for me, right after Chase, I went into grief therapy almost immediately because I knew I had two very dependent children on me Uh, they were dependent for everything with their livelihood, so i think that kept me going um but there has been ugly moments and i think that it's important to recognize that with your heart and your mind because you can't just push them back if you need to have a bad day have a bad day but but know that the sun is going to come back out it's not going to be a storm forever um kind of like with Brayden and, you know, people look at the complexities of Brayden and look at me and Chase all the time. And be like, I don't know how y'all do it. Well, yeah, we weren't really given a choice. So we're just going to, we're just going to roll with it. Um, and I believe that most people have that strength in them. And I wanted, if Chase ever gets a chance to check in on me, I wanted him to look down and I wanted him to be proud of, the life that I lived. I know the woman he chose to raise his children and I wanted to be that woman. Um it's it's been hard every day, I think, of Chase and Braden and, and I miss them. And Bodie is a light. Bodie is chase made over. Yeah. He is goofy and he's funny and not that he's sensitive a little bit. He got that from me. But um yeah. Not much gets him down, and I don't want to kill that beautiful spirit. And so, if I have a bad day, I've got a wonderful family. I mean, he's got my side and, and my in-laws' side, uh, and ton of friends that that will take him, and and they'll let me have my moment, um, and they'll let me get myself back together, and then Bodie and I keep rolling. And I'm. It, it's been an uphill battle. It's been five years, about six months for Brayden, and. Uh, I think part of my body's like we've been through this before you know um so I believe my brain processes it a little bit better than than the shock that I had uh, after chase but I believe that you can turn pain into purpose and so I'm working you know with a nonprofit organization to that helped me after chase died to, to help other families. Um, I just choose to live like Chase did and live like Brayden did, you know, keep, keep listening to music, enjoy the sunshine, laugh, yeah. have fun. Don't, don't focus on the couple of bad days that you have because it's, it's bad day. It's not a bad life. Right. and It's, it's hard, but do it to honor them because they were robbed of the little everything, everyday things. And that, that, I think that's my main motivation.
0: I'm glad you're allowing yourself to have those bad days and to have your moments and not try to feel like you've got to have it all figured out for Bodie. Um, I think it's really important that you're doing that. Can you tell us the, uh, nonprofit that you're working with that helps you turn pain into purpose?
1: Absolutely. Um, there is a nonprofit organization called band of blue and they're based out of Wisconsin. Um, mike smith and his wife sarah uh started it mike is a police officer in racine i believe that's how you pronounce it Uh uh-huh and uh after he experienced a a friend lost in the line of duty uh he started band of blue and it's kind of very similar to make a wish but for fallen officers families Yeah.
2: so
1: we've uh they Reached out to me about a year after Chase was killed and they wanted to do something to honor him, uh, but something for our family. And they sent uh, Brayden, Bodie, me, my parents, Chase's parents, and uh, Chase's sister. We all went to Disney World, yeah, big party at
0: Disney stuff. World. They nice.
1: uh, we chose Disney because we were Disney fanatics. Uh, Chase and I yeah. took Brayden there on our honeymoon, we were fanatics, and <laughs> right. I, Wanted to be able to look at, you know, our kids and be like, you know, Brayden, remember when dad threw you on this goofy roller coaster? Or, Booty, we have got a picture of your dad acting like Gaston right here. And, you know, these, all these, you know, it, it was it was yeah. a good fit for our family. And uh, they pulled out all the stops. They honored Chase. Well, his uh, patch is hanging up in the, the fire department at uh, Magic Kingdom. And I just thought it was beautiful. Oh, that's cool. And you know, you always hear about the blue family and and things like that. And I never really understood it until I met Mike and Sarah and they, we just clicked. And so unfortunately, uh, in our town, there was a officer that was killed in December following chase. And at the funeral, I learned, uh, she pulled me aside and she told me that she was pregnant. And it was just so eerily similar. Uh, Officer Michael yeah. Smith and his wife Erin and their children, they're wonderful. Um, so I was able to get them in touch with Band of Blue and um, wanted to, you know, help honor honor,
2: yeah.
1: uh, Officer Smith. And as Mike and Sarah came down, we went out and um, we got to talking and I just looked at him and I was like, I think you should let me do something with Band of Blue. I was like, my heart just feels like it belongs here. And
2: Mm -hmm. I was like,
1: I would really love to be a part of your organization. And he was like, you know, we had had like a beer or two. And so we're like, ha ha, this is great. And he goes home and he ends up texting me and he's like, my mind's been racing. He was like, I would love to have you. And so uh, he created a Southern chapter of his nonprofit and allowed me to be president of it. And so, like I said, our, our goal is to honor the sacrifices that the families make because it it is an ultimate sacrifice. Your, yes, absolutely. Your future is vanished. It is everything you know about the world is vaporized in, yeah. in a moment. And so we choose to do things to honor the families. And that is what the mission of Band of Blue is. Um, I'm also a speaker for Folds of Honor. Um they provide scholarships,
2: yeah,
1: and uh, for military families, and they've recently expanded to uh, first responders. And so that yeah. is something else I do is I'm able to travel and tell Chase's story, and now Braden's, um, and that you know provides education for mm-hmm. for other families just like ours. And it just it it feels therapeutic. It it feels like I went through this for a reason. I believe that I can make a difference. I believe there's another 27 year old widow out there that has no idea of what they're going to do with life. And I'll be able to look at them and say, you can keep going and you will make it. And it sucks. And I hate this, but keep going because it will get better. And then there's, there's somebody there.
0: There is a strength inside of you. That is absolutely amazing, Alex. Um, I think I want to wrap this episode up by asking you to just give our listeners two pieces of information. One, they just heard you talk about Band of Blue. Maybe they've never heard about it before, but they're really interested. How could they find out more information about Band of Blue?
1: Awesome. You can find us at bandofblue.org. We're online. Uh, We're also on Facebook and Instagram, Band of Blue. Um, I'm on Facebook. My name is Alex Maddox. And I'm on Instagram. My handle is ALXMDDX, I believe. Something. Yeah, don't it's worry. We'll put like the that. links to it I'm in this Instagram. show. Don't worry about that. I'm trying to keep up with it. Um, so uh, there, there are ways to reach out. Uh, you can read all of the officers that Band of Blue is honored on the website. There's a whole section dedicated to their families and, and what we've done for them, and we have several other things in the works. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, keeping us busy, and so yeah, I want you people hope to know that, that
0: Band of Blue would be bored because there's no one to take care of. But unfortunately, you, you're not.
1: And so it uh, just just know we're there. Know there's resources. There's help. Um, even if you don't want to take a trip, if you just want to reach out to one of us and talk to us, yeah. we're we're there. And that just find us on all the platforms that's survey.
0: sure and if you were driving and you missed some of those links that she just uh mentioned we'll put those links in the notes to this just check it out later but the second thing and this is really how i'd like for you to wrap this episode up alex is for you to talk to somebody who's going through it and they've just heard from you and said I know she said that you can get up tomorrow morning and the sun's going to come up and you can keep on living, but I'm going through it right now and I don't know how I'm going to do that. Can you just talk to them, those that are really, really going through it right now and they're having a moment and they're hearing from you, but they're just not sure how to do what you were able to do. Can you give them a piece of advice before we wrap this thing up?
1: I believe that it's very important to honor how you feel in the moment. I'm not proud to say it, but there's been a few days where I didn't want to exist anymore. Yeah. I didn't feel like I had a purpose. I felt like my pain outweighed any kind of other emotion I could possibly feel.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I didn't pick Chase's clothes that he took off the night before up off the floor for four years. I didn't change my bed sheets for a year because they were the last place he slept. And I know that's gross, but it brought me comfort there's no wrong way to grieve and there's no wrong way to interpret your emotions. And I'm not going to tell you it's all sunshine and rainbows because it's not, but, but the majority is the good outweighs the bad. I still have moments. I am terrified to go into Braden's room and to pack it up because we're moving, but I have to. Mm -hmm. You can do it. You are stronger than you think, and you will make it. And it's not always easy, but I promise you will find joy and you will laugh. And one day you might not think about it for 30 seconds. Then the next day you only think about it when you wake up. It It's heavy, but you you will get used to carrying the weight, and you will live around the weight. Keep going because it's worth it, and your loved ones deserve to, to see you happy. They deserve to see you continuing to live. Don't die with your dead.
0: Yeah. Wow. You just gave one of the best descriptions of how to just walk the painful road through grief. And I want to tell you how much I respect you, Alex. I have the greatest respect for military and law enforcement families, but for someone like you who's gone through what you've gone through wow. If there is a woman out there that is unbeatable, it is you, Hallie Maddox. <laughs> so thank you for being on this episode with me.
1: Thank you. I, I am so honored. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to share myself and, and my kids and Chase's story with you. Um. And please know if, if you ever feel like somebody's not out there, uh, find me. I'm there.
0: And the same is true for you. I really did write down a bunch of phrases from Alex today in this episode. She makes the courageous decision to get up and live without fear, even knowing that she might lose her husband every day that he goes to work. And after her husband passes, she makes the decision not to die with the dead, but to go on living. And then after losing a son, and a husband. She chooses life and she chooses to get up and to live a life that honors him. Wow, there's so much that I learned and so much that I'm inspired by this episode of Unbeatable with Alex Maddox. I hope you were as blown away by her story as I was. Alex mentioned the band of blue. And if you're interested in learning more about that, please check the link in this episode. I can't think of a more worthy endeavor if you want to honor the first responders in your community. I also want to just say thank you to the people that tune in week in and week out. There are many of you that are subscribing to this podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Maybe you subscribe on YouTube. A lot of you are following us on social media, and I just want to say thank you. There's no way that this podcast would be possible if it wasn't for the amazing fans that listen in each week. And I'm talking about the fan of the week for this week. Kristen Williamson. Thank you, Kristen, Kristen for being the amazing supporter, incredible fan of this show. Hey, if you want to take it to the next level, it's totally free. And actually, we're not going to shave your head or make you leave home but there is a community of people deeply connected with each other and with this content in fact i send out regular messages to them every week they're called the unbeatable army and if you want to become part of the unbeatable army all you got to do to join up is go to unbeatablearmy.com thank you for joining me for this episode and listening to this incredible story from Alex Maddox. See you right back here next week.